And so I just need him to come back and know that I was like in the crevices of his mind and that he had that trip and he was thinking about me. And I know he's thinking about me, but I want something tangible where he's like, oh my gosh, we went to this amazing beach and I found this little shiny rock or, oh, this town is like known for its fudge. I brought you fudge because you love chocolate. And like, that'll speak so much to me. Yeah, he's taking notes. I'm like, okay, fudge and rocks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. <laughs> you got to bring up our fight. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's true. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your I'm connection a- here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. You're changing things up. I don't know. I, I kind of caught my voice. I didn't know what I was going to say, but I'm here. I'm through. here and I'm alive right now. We are here. <laughs> Today is a really, really good podcast. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah, sure. What are you going to do I with it? I feel like every day is. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to tell everybody about this podcast. Let's hear about it. <laughs> we have Bob and Sierra Dalton. I will never forget the first time we met them. Yeah. It has a lot to do with it. this whole project. It really does. We were at, um, we signed up for this like communicators workshop. By Rob Bell. By Rob Bell. Flew out to LA. Flew all the way out there. For to determine if we should actually do this project, yes, it love was a work project, right? It was like we needed some confirmation, yes. And they were in our group, they sat right behind us the whole time, and and we're really quiet until like the second day, and then all of a sudden they open up and we connected with them, and we've been friends ever since, yeah. We've been partnering, we've been doing all kinds of stuff with them, yeah. Um, and Bobby and I are definitely like kindred spirits. You are. You're visioneering over there. Uh, so they uh, started Sack, Cloth, and Ashes, which is a blanket company. Um, but it is a just kind of a one-for-one concept. However, for every blanket that's purchased, they give one to your local homeless shelter. So it's a very localized one-for-one concept. So if you buy a blanket and you're living in Austin, they're going to give that blanket to a homeless shelter in Austin. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, the blankets are super rad. Beautiful. We give them away for presents all the time. Yeah, we. Uh, they're a great gift to give to somebody. So like, if you have like parents, you need a good present or a friend or a couple or they come there. And especially for those people that you really don't know what to buy oh, it's for. a home run present. it's an it's a home run. they're beautiful yeah. beautiful so so check them out i actually sack. have one on my chair that i write in every morning yeah mm-hmm. uh so check them out at sackclothandashes.com and then sierra is um i have enjoyed her blog oh, and really? she has this i love her writing hmm. but she it's sierradalton.com if you want to check out her writing all right, it's about to get real today. What are we going to be listening Listen, for? This is not, I just want to prepare you. If you, I want you to be ready for this interview. I want the listeners to be ready. This is not just some 
um, casual interview. These two talk about the real stuff, the, how hard it is to do what this whole project is. They do not, they're not bashful about it. They're going to talk about what it really takes to make all this stuff happen together and the hard times. Yeah. And, and, do, and is it worth it? Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, yeah, go ahead. So, I'm not going to give it away. So you I'm just going to, I want to make sure that people know that like, as you enter this, this is, this is not the feel good conversation. This is the real conversation that all of us want to hear, need to hear and should hear. Oh, those are my three go. things. Want to hear, no. need to hear and should hear. No, they are. Now I got three more. Things. Okay, let's go. All right. Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Purity events. Can I get your, can I get your number? Can I- Gets purity your event. <laughs> we're at the purity event and scheduled personal days. I like it. Let's hear it. Here's Bobby and Sierra Dalton. Our love story is a. <laughs> uh, it's never stopped. Falling Aww. in love. Um, oh, that's oh, sweet. No, it's not starting it's out not, so nice. <laughs> it's that uh it's been constant it's a constant choice over and over again. I thought it was just going to be like a moment where I chose him at the altar and then that was it. But um no, I've had to choose him like a million different times. <laughs> <laughs> like every day. But we actually met at a um it was like a a purity conference or like a little <laughs> Oh, this is amazing already. Was it true love weights? It was like the knockoff version of that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I basically went up to her and uh, I knew her and a bunch of friends at the the purity conference and like fist bumped them all and said, what's up? And then, yeah, I was I I was just getting out of a really difficult relationship where uh, it basically wrecked me. It was my first relationship I ever had. I was a sophomore in high school and, uh, it just ended horribly. And I was in a depression for like six months, six to 12 months. And then I just made a commitment to God. I'm like, I'm never dating again until I'm ready to get married. Uh, just be by how hard it hit me. And so I was just in like friend mode all the way. So it like really freed me up to just like, I'm like, I just want to be friends with everybody, you know, I'm not looking for a girlfriend or anything like that. So, um, so I was at this purity conference and walked up to all these girls and I was like, Hey, what's up? Like super friendly and just genuinely wanting to get to know everybody. And then, uh, um, I think she thought I was pretty weird. And, um, and then we went on a surf trip. There was like a youth group surf trip that we went on and we are the only ones a part of the entire youth group that didn't surf so we stayed back and I I was just learning guitar and she is an incredible singer and and we ended up writing a song together and that's kind of what sparked our friendship and I was a junior in high school at that time so I that's where I told her like yeah like I'm you know I'm not looking to to date anybody until I graduate high school at least and so I think it took a lot of pressure out out of that situation yeah he was he was a uh, he went to a different school than me, like adjoining town, so I didn't know him at all. And I had never had a boyfriend and I definitely we weren't like romantically. I didn't feel like we were romantically. We were just like buddies for like a year. We were genuinely just buddies. 
And that's why I liked being around him so much was I felt like there was no like relational pursuit. I just fully got to like be me and not think about it. And yeah. And then until one night after like a year of being friends, actually when we got back from that surf trip, I was like, we like were in the parking lot. I was like, Hey, can I have your phone number? You know? And I genuinely just wanted to stay in touch. And she was like, no. And then (laughs) drove off. I got in my mom's minivan and like closed the door. Like right in my face. (laughs) And then, uh, but yeah, after about a year of being friends, like we would talk like every other night, I ended up stalking her and getting her phone number. And we talk all the time. And after about a year of, of just genuinely being good friends and we would even talk about like people we had crushes on and, uh, things we were learning and just experiences that we were having in the church and all that kind of stuff. And, and then after about a year of that, I bought her a, a bracelet and, uh, one night I was just sitting in her car and I was like, Hey, I got you something and pulled a little bracelet out and gave it to her. And I was like, I just like, I don't need you to say anything or do anything, but I just want to let you know, like, I, I actually like you and like, I want to give you this bracelet. And, um, and that, yeah, that's when I told him we'll never be together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. plot so, twist here. Yeah. So I went back into a, a depression for like, <laughs> 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 no, I, uh, no, it was, I was sad, but I actually took it really well. I was like, Hey, like, if that's how you feel, like God has somebody awesome for you and, and God has somebody awesome for me. And that's just the way it is. And, um, I'd love to still continue being friends. Cause we had such a deep friendship. Like we would, we'd spend a lot of time together. Should we were like best friends. So, um, so I kind of tried to move on and, but it was still, we needed some separation for a few months just cause it was awkward, you know? Yeah. We didn't talk for a couple months and I was, it took me those couple months to realize that I was just very aware that Bobby was not normal and that he was not going to live a normal life. And that if our relationship worked out long term, that meant I wasn't going to live a normal life and that he was going to live a life that required a lot of faith. And I just didn't want to sign up for it. And uh, like you were scared. Yeah, I was very afraid. And then I was sitting in a parking lot with my mom in the same minivan at Ross. And my mom was like, you know, you haven't been talking to Bobby for the last couple of months and you're just really sad. And I realized through talking to her in the Ross parking lot that I was more afraid of living a life without Bobby than living a life that required a lot of faith. So we got together. So you're in, you're in Ross parking lot. You have this moment of clarity. How did you tell him that you wanted to be together? Yeah, I didn't actually. I um, got grounded because I was like internally grounded when I was a kid. And my parents made me go to my brother's baseball game. And unbeknownst to me, Bobby had been going to those games and watching my brother because him and my brother were also in their own like love moment, affair moment, (laughs) falling in love with each other. (laughs) And (laughs) so I went to the baseball game and I was like, oh God, Bobby's here. And I haven't like talked to him. I didn't really know what to do with my revelation. So I was sitting on the bench and he came over, of course, and 
He was like, hey, I'm going to be leading worship tonight at youth group. Do you want to do you want to practice and lead with me? And we hadn't done that in a really long time. And that was kind of our thing. So I was like, okay. And then we, um, he came over to my parents' house and we hung out for the first time. And we sat in the garage in my parents' boat, which was like our safe, sacred place that no one would bother us. And he was like, if you were like to tell someone like what happened between us, like what our story was, what would you say? And I basically said that I met this guy. He was super great. And we were just genuinely great friends. And then I told him at the end that I had feelings for him, but I was really scared. Mm. Yeah. And then I was in. <laughs> and then you made out in the boat. <laughs> <and> the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then from that point on, we, you know, I, I, she was really scared still. I think it was like even like a couple more weeks. Like she told me that. And then, um, you know, like was I'm, the scare part, was it, was it about at that time? Did you know you were going to be pursuing kind of an entrepreneurial journey at that? Was that the scary part? Or was it his like risk knowing like he was going to do risky stuff? Is it, what was, what was it? Yeah. I think he was just radical in his devotion to God <laughs> and like radical and not super rational and like crazy things happen to him all the time. And he was always like, he always had stories of things that were happening and how he was getting to be a part of what God was doing in our area. And we're like 16 and 17. And I was just like, Mm. oh man, like this is the trajectory of where he's going. So I just knew also too, I had never like believed that I would live anything but a normal life. Like I really did I hadn't even thought process that maybe I would move out of our hometown or, you know, things like that. And it was pretty obvious that Bobby was going to do like things bigger than I had even could even wrap my mind around. Hmm. Hmm. So now you're married. How long have you been together? 10 years. Fast forward. <laughs> How many years? 10. Ten. Ah. Yeah. So we've been married for 10 years. We were like best. We were like best friends for a year. Didn't talk for six months dated for we did it for like two years yeah two years and then got married so weren't you married super young then like 19 20 something like that i had been 19 for three days i planned my wedding at 18 so young yeah yeah yeah. and you know bobby he he dreams big Mm -hmm. and creates these amazing experiences these moments for instagram all these creative concepts Mm. does is that is that how he approaches marriage too like does he create these big romantic moments for you no bobby is not romantic he is (laughs) he is considerate and thoughtful ah yeah so rarely does his creativity come like into our relationship but he's it's less about like a big romantic thing and it's more about like a consistent thoughtfulness is that what you like? I just like to be loved, so I'll take anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, she wants the big romantic. No, thing. I have, I have, tr- like, trained him how to love me. I feel like I think there's you. I, first of all, I don't. I barely know 
how I want to be loved. But when I do figure something out, I'm like, this is how you need to love me. Like this Valentine's Day, I was like, babe, I am a basic bitch. Like I want a dozen roses. I want a box of chocolates. Like don't think out of the box. This is what I want. Yeah, she's a good (laughs) she's a good communicator. And just yesterday she told me, she goes, hey, you know all those trips you go on? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I want you to bring me back something on every trip. <laughs> like, even if it's, even if it's like small or, and I'm like. Or free. And or- I wish I would have thought of it. You know what I mean? I, but she, since she's such an incredible communicator, <laughs> it allows some grace and some room for me to still do the thoughtful romantic things. And specifically, <laughs> know for sure that that's what she wants because mm-hmm. i have done some i have done a lot of surprises and i think that this is probably why i don't go big in my creativity mm-hmm. and the romance is i have done some big things but then they were the wrong things and so wrong and then uh, <laughs> and then uh and then i think i got pretty insecure yeah. and embarrassed and so i stopped doing the big things you know what i mean because uh-huh. i don't I, I have to really be on point with what she wants but what that did was it forced her to communicate very clearly <laughs> on how to be romantic and thoughtful so that it's an eff- it's effective. Mm-hmm. Yes, there we go. So you mentioned that like when effective he goes on trips. Effective romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> effective romance. Is that what you're looking for too? <laughs> no, I just think those two words are so funny together. <laughs> totally a paradox. It's totally a paradox. It, it it's is. like non-magical romance. Dude, it's like it black is. and it's white like, romance. It's like practical it's romance. It's like practical, <laughs> practical romance. romance. That's good. Well, <laughs> yeah, everyone wants, everyone like feels love differently. It's the concept of the five love languages, you know? Yeah. But I want to, especially on his trips, I just need to, we are so disconnected when he's traveling because he, from the moment he leaves at 3 a.m. to get on a flight at LAX to the moment he comes back, like he is on mission. He is connecting with other people, like even just like our phone calls, like there's no, it's really hard to connect. And so I just need him to come back and know that I was like in the crevices of his mind and that he had that trip and he was thinking about me. And I know he's thinking about me, but I want something tangible where he's like, oh my gosh, we went to this amazing beach and I found this little shiny rock or, oh, this town is like known for its fudge. I brought you fudge because you love chocolate. And like, that'll speak so much to me. Yeah, he's taking notes. <laughs> taking notes over here. I'm like, okay, fudge and rocks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I always feel like I'm competing with his pursuits. And so hmm. I just want to like know that I'm actively still like a part of his travels. So it's very interesting. I mean, I think th- we have so many listeners that have, you know, entrepreneur that are entrepreneurs that Um, have one person maybe doing big out there things and somebody else always behind the scenes, Um, their partner, somebody behind the scenes. And usually much more stable. That's the stable (laughs) one. Exactly. Totally. Um, Tell me what you have learned or what you're trying to, or what you're learning in that process of being the, you know, you're staying home, he's out traveling, doing these things. Yeah, a lot. How much time do we have? 
Well, I love, I do, you wrote something. I really do like, you wrote a blog. Uh, um, I like stalked you, Sarah. Thank you. Um, but it was, sur- <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll give you my address it after was, this. I just like the title, Surviving My Life Partner's Dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a little gut punching right there. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that experience. Yeah. My therapist probably doesn't love that title because she always is trying to make me think of thriving, but thriving is like so hard. I'll never, I don't know if I'll ever fully be there, but moments of that are good. I'm learning. I am a very codependent person and the life that I experienced growing up and the example of my mom and dad um, was very follow the rules and just, um, you know, it was very safe. And because of that, I felt safe. And so I saw my mom and dad do everything together. So for Bobby to just be like trailblazing new and uncharted territory, that feels really scary to me. I realized like my codependence and how it was limiting him and how my neediness, like I was coming to him in that sense of like a relationship where you think like your person is going to fulfill so many of your needs. And I had to realize that our life together wasn't actually meaning that we were supposed to do everything together. And that's what I kind of saw like growing up in the church, like if your husband was a pastor, then you were a pastor's wife, then that must be your calling. Or if your husband was a worship leader, then you played the piano. If, you know, it was like always like kind of your dreams and your purpose were a little bit secondary to the man's. And I was just like, I wanted that. I desired that because that felt safe because that felt like what was working. And so to realize he was creating something that I did not feel a part of. I didn't even necessarily want to be a part of. Um, it felt really scary, but then I realized that I couldn't like center my life around Bobby. Like Mm. I, God had something for Bobby and most importantly, God had something for me and in our unity, like we, our journeys could be parallel. They didn't have to be the same goal, the same mission, but it was just the reality of like the more we head towards what God has for us and God's will, we would be heading in the same direction. It didn't have to look the same. It could look differently. So his pursuits and me trying so hard to find my purpose in them, as I had seen so many women do before and realizing that none of my giftings or talents came into play and that him pursuing specifically business or even ministry that I would harbor bitterness the more involved I was because I knew the cost and the cost was a lot on us and I couldn't find places like a healthy place in those endeavors. So it it, it caused me to have it caused me to start dreaming my own dreams. It caused me to start creating a life with God and in unity with God that existed 
just me and God. It didn't have to exist for Bobby. Mm. What would you add to that, Bob? When you hear all that, what what's your response to all that? Oh, my my initial response is she's an amazing communicator. I just got lost in all of that. Yeah, I think she's been on a journey of figuring out what that is for her. And I've always have done my best in trying to show her my full support in whatever she wants to do. So allowing room for, um, cause we, we did grow up in traditional families where the man is the leader in, in a lot of ways, but in the women is natural. Like your, her dream is definitely helping his dream happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've tried to do my best on trying to level that out because I want to create a family and a community that there's equal opportunity and equal support. And so if there's something that she came to me and said, I really want to do this, then she has 100% my support and I'm going to do whatever I can to help that happen. And so she's been on a journey trying to figure that out. And it's not easy. You know, I, up until 24, 25 years old, I was trying to figure that out. And I don't envy any college student, high school student, all the pressures that we're putting on young folks now to try to figure out what you're supposed to do with life. You know, that's a lot of pressure for a young person. And it wasn't until 25 years old till I was able to figure out what that, what that was for me. And she's still kind of searching and figuring that out. Um, Which 25 is still pretty young to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very fortunate. You know, it was, it took myself uh, out of starting at an early age to throw myself into things over and over again until something actually, uh, until I figured out what that was. But, um, but yeah, it's a journey. And I think that I'm sensitive to the journey that she's on and um, that many people are on trying to figure out what that is for them. Um, But she has hundred percent my support. She knows that. And so it's, if she came to me tomorrow with an idea, I would 100% back it and make sure that it's a success. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you talked once before too, about just kind of the push and pull between you two a little bit. You're kind of talking about it, but like how he pushes you into creative pursuing or, you know, finding that dream and you pull him back into healthy uh, habits and lifestyles. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. When we first got married, I realized that he couldn't even stay home like all day. Like we had to go out and do something. There was no, it's like he had to learn how to rest. And for me, I'm the kind of person who needs like (laughs) to be reminded that going outside of the house is good. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, if he goes on a trip, no lie, I'll be like day three, haven't left the house and be like, oh, I should go outside. I should like (laughs) talk to a person's face and like not on the phone, Mm -hmm. which which is actually why I got a dog too, because I was like, I need a dog to remind myself to get outside and walk. But yeah, that's been a really interesting thing. We definitely have had to relearn that a million different times because now with Bobby traveling a lot or when he was traveling a lot, our schedules, he would travel a lot on the weekends. And so then he'd come back on like Monday or Tuesday and then he'd do a full work week. So essentially he was not resting like ever or, and not connecting with me ever. 
So I decided because I lead and think with logic, (laughs) I was like, okay, every month you need four personal days where you're just like kind of like radically selfish and you just go and you assess what you need and you do it without me. Like if you need to hang out with a friend for fun, if you need to go golfing, if you need to stay home and like watch documentaries or read or write or whatever, you do that four personal days and then four us days where the whole intent of the day is to be with each other, to connect, to have fun, to play because so often we forget to play together and just have like do fun things we get so on the grind of life so that's kind of how I've like orchestrated it because then if it's marked in his calendar like he has a personal day on a Tuesday he knows I put that in in the reality that he probably has just traveled and worked for like seven days in a row and so I do a person his personal day first and then I'll do an us day so so when he comes back from traveling is it hard for you guys to like reconnect after being like, if he was gone for, you said seven days, how is that? You know, when you come back together, what does that look like? Uh, It depends on how the trip went. (laughs) Oh, interesting. So that's like part of the entrepreneurial journey, right? Like you got to deal with us in our, you know, like our emotions are high and low dependent on the most recent interaction, right? Yeah. It's always a wild card. He could be, coming back feeling amazing and like energized like he could like run a marathon like this trip went so amazing he made so many connections and he's just gonna like work for the next three days with no thought of anything he'll forget to eat like the whole deal or he comes back and he's like deathly ill like he Mm. didn't sleep he didn't eat healthy he needs like three green smoothies and to just lay on the couch for the next 24 to 48 hours. So I just, when he comes back, like assess how did the trip go? And within like the first, you know, hour, I'll get like the vibe of where we're headed in the next couple of days. That's so interesting. <laughs> Can you relate with that? It's totally Jeff. Yeah. That's it's, totally you. it's, it's one thing. Um, I think I don't it was an old book my mom gave, but it said if you marry a dreamer, then you are required to have immense faith and immense flexibility. And that has been very, very, very true. And flexibility is so like you really do have to stretch it. <laughs> like it's more and more you stretch it, the more flexible you are, you know? Mm, that's good. Bobby, what um obviously you're uh, there's been highs and lows in your work and in your business. And I'm curious, like, how how do you bring, you know, she's kind of referring to some things that she understands given all that. But as you've thought about that journey, I mean, how 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 how, how do you feel like you bring that back into your relationship? Yeah, I, you know, it's not just for the marriage, but for myself personally, my own health, like I've been trying to create better habits and better balance. And, um, and this new schedule that she's really helped implement has really been effective for me because I know exactly which days are going to be mine to where I can like really sort through some things and fully take them off. And then I know exactly which days are fully us. 
And then mm. the rest of the days I'm 100% open to work, get on a plane, take a meeting, do whatever. And so having that structure for me has helped a lot creating that balance. And over the years, I re- like she was saying in the early, early years, I was really struggling with how to rest. And I don't struggle with that as much anymore. I've actually um, have cultivated some really good habits in resting better. And she's brought a lot of peace to my life in that I've, I enjoy being home now. You know, mm. cor- we're crushing quarantine right now. <laughs> uh, just because I've, I've really learned how to enjoy being home and I look forward to it now. I actually, I'm looking forward to it more than when I actually have to get on a plane and go somewhere now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, I, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story because I think sackcloth came out of a kind of a family story, right? Like it, it came out of um, something very personal to you. And a lot of, a lot of times on the podcast, we talk about people trying to find their, their purpose. I think your story is a really interesting one because it correlated with a very personal aspect of who you are. And I'm always pushing people to kind of go, well, why are you the person to solve that problem? Why, why should this matter to you? Like, what is part of your story? Could you share a little bit about how, how this thing came to be? For sure. Yeah. And I'll also share how it ended up connecting personally in, in, with my marriage as well. Uh, so I started Sackcloth and Ashes. It's a blanket company that donates a blanket to a homeless shelter for each blanket purchased. And it was inspired by my mom who ended up living on the streets in 2013. And I was passionate about helping pretty much every social issue except for homelessness. And so when my mom ended up in that situation, it completely changed my paradigm of how I view and understand homelessness. She's the last person that I would think would end up in that situation. And so that made me realize that not everybody chooses to become homeless, but some people need a second chance. And I started calling my local homeless shelters to ask what they needed. And they all said blankets. And so through my mom's story and through the changing of my paradigm, it caused me to act and try to figure out what, what is there I can do with this particular issue. And so when shelters said that they need blankets, I came up with the idea that for every blanket purchase, we'll donate a blanket to your local homeless shelter. And I really wanted to localize the one-for-one model. So if you live in Austin, Texas, and you buy a blanket, we'll send a blanket to a shelter in Austin. If you live in New York and you buy a blanket, we'll send a blanket to a shelter in New York. So launched the company, uh, had no business experience. I had no education. Um, I was coming out of the ministry and nonprofit world where I was spending 50% of my time raising money, um, which I was incredibly exhausted from. And so I just gave this a shot. I bought a sewing machine and a roll of fabric from Joann's and tried to shout out to Joann's and and, um, brought a sewing machine and a roll of fabric home. And, and I walked in my house and shared with Sierra and her friend that was at my place at the time and broke the news to him. that I was going to launch a blanket company and I'm going to start. Sarah, what are you thinking? Sarah, what are you thinking at this exact moment? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like I'm out. Peace. <laughs> no, Good luck with that. no, I mean, no, he, he is a creator. I mean, if the creation process is starting a fire, he loves the spark. 
And Mm -hmm. he, up to this point, had created a lot of things and done a lot of endeavors. And this probably actually felt the least crazy of some of the things he... (laughs) 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 This was like actually like the thing that the thing that was different about this was it required money. This creation mm. in particular, none of it had ever required money. And so that was my only like up to this point I had given him like full creative. Yeah, I start like different blogs and <laughs> websites and you know I was just messing around. I was I was exploring the creative process for myself. Yeah. And I was I was exploring my voice, like who I am, what I want to do in the world. And so when it came to this, like this is where I literally drained my savings account, our savings account, and bought a Singer sewing <laughs> machine, top-notch quality. <laughs> if I'm going to go into the blanket business, I'm going in with the nicest quality sewing machine, the nicest <laughs> quality fabric. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so that's what it, I was starting to order fabric from a uh, I didn't know where to buy fabric. I didn't know anything about fabric or blanket game. Mm-hmm. And so I was ordering fabric from fashionfabrics.com. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> They're located in Georgia. And uh, I just saw some good fabrics from fashionfabric.com, which I Googled. And then I Obviously. had rolls of fabric. I would pay like a, around like $500 to $1,000 and just start rolls of fabric would just start showing up at my house. And I remember like, being so yeah. stoked i hugged a, i hugged a roll of fabric at one point because i was so excited and um uh, yeah and so uh launched sackclothandashes.com on june 1st 2014 and um one of my best friends came alongside me and he was fraying blankets with me because we had to hand sew every single label onto every blanket and then we would have to take them home and take a little comb and hand fray each one of the labels and then use fray check and do a fray check border around the logo and let, let it sit and dry. Mm. And so we had to go through that. That was, e- that was efficient, wasn't it? Yeah. Very efficient. I was trying to be as efficient as I knew. And uh, the fray check was an evolution. you know. It, anyway, um, so yeah, that was a big pro- part of the process. And so it was about like six months straight of fraying logos. And I would take boxes of blankets and walk into shops and try to convince people that to buy these blankets, these black fleece blankets. And, um, and they about 20 out of a hundred or about 20 out of 200 stores said yes. That's a lot of no's. And I didn't know anything about business. So I said, okay, I'll give you these blankets for 15% off. And the store owners would be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I feel like that's a pretty good deal. I didn't know there was a 50% off wholesale. I didn't know what wholesale was. So I thought 15% off was a good deal and we negotiated and they cut me like a little $200 check and I'd be like, we're in business, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, the first six months was that kind of grind and I got, I just somehow stayed in positive spirits and just knew I'm, this thing's going to work. Now how, you know, I guess it's been six years later, how many blankets have you given away? Yeah, we're up to like about 150,000. That's crazy. But we're a little bit behind trend. We our goal is to hit a million blankets by 2024. Okay. And we're gonna do it one way or another. I'm I'm gonna figure it out. But um hang on. I want that statement right there. That <laughs> statement. <laughs> Sierra, when mm-hmm. you hear him say a statement like that, mm-hmm. how does that make you feel? I don't doubt him. 
I don't you doubt don't him. doubt him. No. Does it make you kind of roll your eyes or is kind of like, yeah, there he is. Here he goes again. Is it like, I believe in him. Is it. I am. He always sets the bar so high mm. that, and he always, I mean, truly nine out of 10 times, like meets it. And it's usually, he just has like really intense belief. It's this really interesting combination of, um, I mean, God, though that's a really, him and God are like a great team. <laughs> and it's also like his shamelessness. Like he just has like this, he's shameless when it comes to this kind of stuff. And he kind of hustles and there's just like this really interesting combination in his personality that I just, I don't doubt him anymore because every time I've doubted him up to this point, really, he's surprised me. That's good. Um, how do you, when your company is wrapped in your story and your mm. family's story, when you drain all your savings into your to your pursuit, when you're grinding and hustling and working all cr- crazy amounts of hours, how do you does that not become everything? Sometimes it does. And how do you, how do you, do you create boundaries? Do you remind, how do you remind yourself that that's not you? That's not everything. I mean, how do you, how do you get out of that cycle where it can be everything? Yeah. I'm like hyper boundaries and I had to get over the fact that Bobby wasn't going to draw lines in the sand that I was going to be the one who put the work in to create the boundaries. And at first that I took that really personal because I felt like I kind of felt like just not valued as much as his um, passions and endeavors. And like if he did, then obviously he'd have better boundaries. But then I just switched my thinking and realized, no, that's just not something he's very good at. And that's something I am good at. So I'm just going to create like very clear lines in the sand and they're, they're constantly evolving and changing depending on where we're at or things like that. They always kind of have to look different. And sometimes we have to like scrap a whole thing and just like start over. And my, I think my in tuneness with how I'm doing and how he's doing and how we're doing I am always able to have like clear idea of like in this moment, what are my expectations and what are the boundaries that we need to establish? And I've even like written them out. Like when we moved here, I was like, these are my three to five expectations and these are my three to five boundaries. And this is like my agreement with you in this next season as we move back to California. So sometimes it is hard especially when he is in like the thing that makes him feel most alive is the creative process. It is the beginning. He, that's his strength. You know, he, he's not necessarily the one who wants to like keep the fire going. He's the one that wants to start all the fires. So there is sometimes moments where it's hard to decipher the difference between creator and creation that's like a very blurred thing it's all he thinks about it's all he wants to talk about it's all it's you know and I just I try to take as much 
as I can not personally because I do obviously want to see him alive and happy and and now that he, we've been through it a couple times I like am able to create more space in the knowledge that it is kind of like a temporary thing and that as long as I'm accountable for my own health so I just need to make my expectations and boundaries known mm-hmm. which is if you're if you if you were sitting down with another kind of entrepreneurial couple, and I want to hear from both of you on this, like, and you were, and they were like, how do we, we're approaching this project. We're all in, how do we do this without ruining our relationship or impact? You know, like what advice would you give them on the front end? Are they both creating it together or are only one of them creating it? Let's say one of them. Cause that's your story. Okay. Yeah. The hardest thing in being an adult is knowing how you feel, at least for me, one of the hardest things is knowing how I feel. And then on top of knowing how I feel, which is already so freaking hard, communicating how I feel. And then having like the logic enough in those feelings to decide what is true and what is not true about those feelings. And I think that if you focused fully on that, then you would be able to know how you feel, how if like, for example, if all Bobby talks about is his project, if we go after he gets off at, you know, five or six, depending on our boundaries, and then we go on a walk and all he talks about is it. And I'm like, okay, like... (laughs) Anything we talk about now is not going to be as exciting as that. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing about this, especially because it drained my savings, especially because it's taking you away from me. Like it feels so personal. And what I feel is like you kind of don't give a crap about me in this season. And so if I can know how I feel, communicate how I feel And also in knowing how I feel, decide what is true. Like, obviously he cares about me. He loves me. He he even says like all of the things he does, a lot of them are for me. Like ultimately when a circle comes around, but when we're in the middle of the circle, it's like, yeah, that's just not translating yet. (laughs) So I think if you could do that, then you like consistency consistently and practicing that um however that happens whether it be through therapy or talking to a friend on the phone or journaling or whatever like if you can do that then you will be better off what do you think bobby i think that uh my advice would be commit to your passion and the things that you love and cut out all the other bullshit because the only reason why we've experienced an incredible amount of stress and tension is when I've overcommitted to things that I actually don't give a shit about, that I don't actually care about, that I actually don't enjoy giving my time to, but I simply overcommit due to a lot of different reasons. It could be unhealthiness. It could be insecurity. It could be the fear of saying no to something and how somebody's going to react. But Committing to what you love and what you're passionate about, I can have her and I can have the thing that I'm creating that I love and it's my craft and it's the thing I know I'm supposed to do. 
And if we just focused on this is what I'm supposed to do, this is the things that I'm supposed to commit to, and we cut out everything else, it's going to save you a lot of time, stress, and conflict. That's good. Yeah. I feel this tension that a few times you guys were sharing about that conflict, and I could see so many listeners feeling this, the conflict between um, the value of one of the partners versus it like literally competing for attention and value with this, you mentioned endeavor or this pursuit or this passion or whatever. I mean, it sounds like that's been a, that's a constant. Is that a thing that is the, is the tension point you guys consistently wrestle through? Okay. So I just want to, I want to speak to the, the most difficult times where that happens and you're in the, one of the worst seasons in your life. So we've gone through a couple of those where we had to decide, like, there's some moments where we're like, damn, are we going to even make it, you know? And, um, is the business going to even make it? Are we going to even make it? And in those seasons, when I had to dig deep, I was unwilling to give up the business and I was unwilling to give up my marriage. And I had to communicate that to her in a way that was like, I don't feel like I have a choice. Like, I feel like, and there was a point in our lives where I was in the nonprofit world and it was early on, we were 19, 20. And she did feel like she was competing against the ministry that I was a part of. And so I actually gave it up and it was really hard for me. And that was the first time that I had to prove to her, like, I'm willing to give this up but I didn't want to. I'm Mm. willing to give this up, but I feel like I'm supposed to do it. And that was like early on when we were young and trying to figure ourselves out, figure our marriage out, figure out what we're supposed to do. When it came to sackcloth, almost on the verge of going bankrupt a few years ago, and we were facing all kinds of enemies and problems and lawsuits and all kinds of stuff, and that put so much weight on us. She couldn't take that weight reasonably. So I can not even take the weight, but I had to communicate to her that I cannot just let this thing go. And I'm unwilling to let our marriage go. And so mm-hmm. if you need to separate from me for a period of time in order for us, to, for you to protect yourself, then you need to do that. And we were living in Oregon at the time. So she actually moved to Coos Bay uh, we moved to Coos Bay, but I just barely went to Coos Bay because I was trying. I was from the moment I got up to the moment I went to sleep. I was trying to save sackcloth, and so there was just these. It was a, the darkest season of our lives, but I was unwilling to give up either, and I had to fight and make sure that I'm communicating to her because it wasn't a personal thing between us at all. But I felt so strongly and committed to what I had committed to, both in my marriage and in my business that I was, I fought to keep both. And that's why I say, focus on what you love, focus on what your passion is, focus on what you're supposed to do, and then you can have all of that. But you don't have room for anything else. And that's, I think that, I think that that's important to address. I think that you can have it all, but you don't have time for anything else. And as soon as you say yes to something else that you're not supposed to do, it's going to shake the entire infrastructure of what you've been working so hard to build 
both in your project and in your marriage. Sierra, I feel like you were holding something in you wanted to say <laughs> while he was talking. I just it, tapping back in. Uh, yeah, it's been, it is such, it took so long. I've tried so hard to let Bobby's thing be Bobby's thing. And I touched on it briefly about how it's okay for me to have my own thing and for him to have his own thing. But there is a reality in the sense that I realized that the blood and the sweat and the tears that had built what we had as far as the business, that they were just as mine, like the investment of those blood, sweat, and tears was just as much. I've contributed just as much as he has. And there are times where immense sacrifice is required. Um, and that goes either way. Sometimes it's relationally where we have to sacrifice immensely relationally. Um, and sometimes it's the business where the business has to sacrifice and like all energies have to go to one specific thing. Um, and there's a lot of compromises that have happened and it's been like a really brutal and beautiful like process. But, um, All of that to say <laughs> is I've realized that it, when you commit your life to someone that his journey is your journey and your journey is his journey. And in those moments of like intense, like we could lose everything, whether that means we could lose everything when it came to our relationship or we could lose everything when it came to our business. I've always like sat in that moment and been like, okay, which is the least painful? <laughs> like, that's when you know it's bad, you know? Okay, is it more painful to stay with Bobby at the potential <laughs> of all the lawsuits, all the bankruptcy, all the stress? Like, I low-key think he's losing his mind. Is that space more painful or is it more painful for me to leave him and just like go and do my own thing in kind of a protective moment? And every time it's been like, okay, it's going to be way more painful to try and do my own thing, to leave him. Like mm. I'm going to have to, you know, when you choose like two situations that both are going to be painful, each, I just always have chosen the lesser. And the, and the reality of like me, my adoration for him is that it's always been like, okay, it's going to be way more painful if I like leave him. So I'm gonna have to stay with him. I'm gonna stay with him and I'm gonna support him and I'm just gonna like go through this painful mess with him because that's somewhere between encouraging and discouraging, Bobby, right? <laughs> like somewhere in the, like I said that's somewhere between encouraging and discouraging. I don't know, somewhere in there. You like well, I mean, it is there is moments where you are battling for what you love and what you're yeah. called to. And that's the underbelly of this. There is no 
other way sometimes. Like what you want ultimately is always going to be a battle and coming out the other side is victorious. Mm. Mm. There's no other way to learn. You did write at one point, I think this speaks to this, but you did write like committing to that you've committed to the dreamer and not the dream. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of speaks to what you're saying about like how you're committed to staying with Bobby mm-hmm. and the dream of all of this and what entails with it through all the difficulties, whatever happens, happens, but you're committed to mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that I could see you saying that to me. And I, th- I think you would often say like, or maybe a follow up, but not to every dream. Like I don't have to, you don't have to follow every dream, Jeff. Like you, know, you can like <laughs> dial back some of the dreams, pick the one. And, and there's been times that she said to me before, like, well, do you think it's time? Like, is it, is it time? Like, cause, cause I've doubted, like, I'm like, I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you're like, Oh, is it time? Mm-hmm. please let me know yeah like <laughs> the answer in the current state has been no like it's just kind of a quick passing thought but yeah, um, I th- and i think to reiterate like the wrestling with like my commitment to the vision and commit commitment to marriage like the one personal commitment that i've made is that my dad and my mom divorced when i was one and so i made a commitment in my life i will never get a divorce you know in, in if I can avoid it, you know what I'm saying? That if I, <laughs> yeah. in, in the sense of like, to me, that's a non-negotiable. And so like, if it actually came down to like having to pick the blue or the red, you know what I'm saying? I would have, mm-hmm. I would, I would not separate. And you so, um, I want to clarify that too, because I think at the end of the day, like your relationships are everything, you know what I mean? You can always rebuild a project and, you can always recreate, but you, your relationships are the most important thing. And, um, you know, I, is there something that you guys continue in those hard moments that like, it can get hard, it can get hard and hard. And then there's something that always brings you back together. Is there something that you say to each other? Is there something that reminds you of that love for one another? Yeah. I think in the, in the hardest time, like when we went through the hardest season of our lives, I think what kept it together was when you have your relationships as your priority, your mentality can be at the end of it all. Let's run away together. <laughs> let's run away together. We always talk yeah, about like, this. Let's just quit it right let's, now. Let's, let's, just let's go. do I'll some try. Bonnie and Clyde shit. Let's run away together. Let's start over. And we have each other. We don't, when you have your relationships, when you have the people that you love, you have nothing to lose. You know, mm. yeah. you, you have, you have the ability to pivot in the in the hardest of times and which is a lot of people what people are going through right now you know during yeah. during covid it's uh you have your strongest you have your relationships and you protect those relationships and at the end of the day um you can start over but everything's going to be okay because you got the people in your life and that's that's the most important i think when you start losing the people in your life that that takes a bigger toll on you psychologically and, and impacts your life on a bigger level, you know? Um, but I want to say a positive real quick, (laughs) um, (laughs) is that a beautiful thing about her being committed to the dreamer and not the dream is that it keeps my ass humble. 
<laughs> uh, because sometimes I come, it's discouraging for you, though. Yeah. Sometimes you're bummed out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I want you to be excited about everything. <laughs> I want all everybody time. to be as excited. I want everybody to be stoked on this idea. I worked hard on this thing. And I'm so like not a very celebratory person. It takes She's a like, lot. Oh, cool, babe. I'm like. He'll work hours and hours and everyone he's talked to, all of his friends were like, yes, this is amazing. And then he tells me and I'm like, cool. Do you, like, do you think you could grill some steaks tonight? <laughs> and he's like. Oh. Isn't that how it always I love, goes? I love Bobby's perspective. Like he has this incredible ability, like you're in conversation or you get a random call from him or whatever. He's like, Listen, I just had this crazy idea. We're going to blow it all up. If we're going to do this, we're going to blow it up and it's going to be huge. And here's what's going to happen. Uh -huh. He's such a big that. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about him. I mean, the answer, my answer to your question, what's kept us together is it's as simple as Bobby and Sierra in the boat in the garage. Like, we just want to be together. We have so much fun. Like, the desire for us to be Bobby and Sierra at the end of every day is always like, that's what we want. And I do know at the end of the day, like I didn't always know this, but I do know now, like I can say so confidently if he had to choose business or me, he would choose me. But I think in our darkest like times where I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't fully believe I didn't want to like why would I want to him to compromise like his whatever with God his business his pursuit to be with me like and so I think sometimes I've just disconnected myself so much from what he's doing in the name of protection and preservation and health but then I just went so far into it that when we'd get back together I'd be like wait are we going in the same direction? Do we still want the same things like in life in five years and 10 years? And so the biggest questions in those moments, like were what brought so much like, wait, are we still going to be together after all of this? But I, um, we always at the end of the day want to be like 16 and 17 Bobby Sierra and just like that. That like purity singing of when song, you first met. Singing songs together yeah. around a fire. Singing love songs to God. <laughs> Just being like goofy. <laughs> and That's actually uh, been nice. Practicing about purity. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. It's time for the last question. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? I'm going to say yes, because if the mission is love, then it encompasses that, all of that. And love is fluid and yet powerful, and it can, it is strong enough to hold it all. I'm doing my best. <laughs> no, I think it totally is doable. And I actually, you know, when I dream about our future family, we don't have any kids right now. Um, but I just, I see an inclusion. I don't see it as being uh, something that, you know, I do my thing and then there's our family. You know, I, I really do see our family being a part of 
the projects that we both are creating um, so that our kids can see an example of not just parents that sacrifice everything for them, but parents that are demonstrating living out their dream and and really showing that. You know, I think there's a lot of parents that they sacrifice a lot and it's reasonably so and and there it may might make sense for that, but I I dream of being a husband and and uh and a father of demonstrating living out my dream and showing them my family that that is possible, you know? So I hope so. I hope so. And now it's time for the breakdown. What you got? What you got there? Why? Hang on. Why do I got a what you got? What about what you got? (laughs) I feel like how you said that was a little bit. There's a place in Atlanta called the Varsity where everybody says, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Yeah. So I think just the entire line of what she wrote, surviving my life partner's dream is just exactly what this whole episode is about. I think there's so much, we heard so much cost, so much sacrifice, so much that goes into big dreams and dreamers um, that it's just, it's true. Like sometimes you have to survive these things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, was that too negative for you? No, I, I think that's your perspective, which is an honest perspective. I mean, I think the bigger because I'm on her side. I'm oh, her now we're boat. taking sides. <laughs> this is a take sides kind of thing. Well, I'm in her boat. I've had to survive a lot of your dreams as I well. Think, I think deeper than that, personally, is she said a couple things. Your dreams are secondary that that mentality like the dreams versus the person the value of her committed to the dreamer not the dreams yeah or well that's her perspective the other thing that the story that runs through her head the story that runs through your head i think the story that that runs you care more about the dream than me yeah that you value this project more than me more than the person you're married to yes and at the that is the crux of so many people's thoughts. Yes. We've had this conversation many times with people in tears, right? That you felt it. I've been in tears. Yes. And they said, we've felt it and they said it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's hard for me as the dreamer. It's, I don't see it that way. I understand that's how you feel. I don't see it that way. For me to to take away my dream is actually like, you know, an equal amount of sadness, but it doesn't mean that I love you any less. Yeah. And I think it's just taken a long time for me to understand that part. Hmm. I think the hard part though, is when you, when you're per, the person who feels uh, that feeling that, um, like that I've been feeling for years, mm. but is that it feels like that because on a day-to-day basis, your thoughts, your efforts, your time, your travel is, it's given so much, priority. it's all going to that. Yeah. And that when that is all you see and all you feel, 
it's really hard to truly believe that it that's not a true story. For sure. Like, I think the story that's going through people's heads, I mean, I, I think that it's valid. I'm not, it's hard, it's hard to, um, it's hard to give resolve to the tension in this way because both are important, almost soul-wrenchingly important to dreamers. But I do think that they gave some good, like, very practical things that they've started to do to try to help with that, right? Yeah, you just always steal my phone when it gets to that point. Well, yeah, but they talk about the four personal days and four us days. Yep. And, you know, the personal days being those days that um, the dreamer needs to decompress, to think, to... You have to turn it off. To turn it off. You have to turn it off. And And you have to turn your partner on. And then the for us days is for that. The for us days is to focus and have your energy and all of that going towards your partner. Fully. Fully. Because a lot of times that doesn't happen. It's like a half thought. It's the leftover. Yeah. Well, man, I'm thankful that they said what they said because I think, I think there's going to be a lot of listeners today that say, Oh, they gave words to feelings that I have. They said it in a way I haven't been able to communicate. That's such a gift. So thank you, Bobby. Thank you so much, Sierra, for being so authentic and honest and real. Um, I know that our community is going to be encouraged by this. Yeah. And really check out Sackcloth and Ashes. It's they're ama- It's an amazing product. Yeah. And if this, um, if this interview was really helpful for you, I want to encourage you because we have a whole book coming out about this specific thing and it's called love or work and it's a compilation of all 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 of this information that we have these stories these tensions these struggles so we need some help getting the word out about it so if you want to help us make that happen email us info at loveorwork.com we need a launch team to help make it happen it's gonna we want we think there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that need to hear the stories like Bobby and Sierra, they need to hear our story to be able to kind of integrate these hard conversations into their relationship. And we need people like you to help us make it happen. So email us. If you're interested in helping launch this book, it's coming out in August. Please reach out to us. Info at loveorwork.com or just message us on Instagram. Yep. Thank you. That's another episode of Love or Work. Produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.